Chapter forty one of Pushing to the Front by Arisen Sweat Martin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Luke Sartor. Chapter forty one The Might of Little Things. Think not a trifle, though it small appear. Small sands the mountain, moments make the year and trifles, life. Young. It is but the littleness of man that sees no greatness in trifles. Wendell Phillips. He that despiseth small things shall fall by little and little. Ecclesiasticus. The creation of a thousand forests is in one acorn. Emerson. Men are led by trifles. Napoleon. A pebble on the streamlet scant has turned the course of many a river. The bad thing about a little sin is that it won't stay little. Arletta's pretty feet, glistening in the brook, made her the mother of William the Conqueror says Paul Graves' History of Normandy and England. Had she not thus fascinated Duke Robert, the liberal of Normandy, Harold would not have fallen at Hastings. No Anglo-Norman dynasty could have arisen. No British empire. We may tell which way the wind blew before the deluge by marking the ripple and cupping of the rain in the petrified sand now preserved forever. We tell the very path by which gigantic creatures, whom man never saw, walked to the river's edge to find their food. It was little Greece that rolled back the overflowing tide of Asiatic luxury and despotism, giving instead to Europe and America models of the highest political freedom yet attained and germs of limitless mental growth. A different result at Plataea would have delayed the progress of the human race more than ten centuries. Among the lofty Alps, it is said, the guides sometimes demand absolute silence, lest the vibration of the voice bring down an avalanche. The power of observation in the American Indian would have put many an educated man to shame. Returning home, an Indian discovered that his venison, which had been hanging up to dry, had been stolen. After careful observation, he started to track the thief through the woods. Meeting a man on the route, he asked him if he had seen a little old white man with a short gun and with a small bobtailed dog. The man told him he had met such a man but was surprised to find that the Indian had not even seen the one he described, and asked him how he could give such a minute description of the man he had never seen. I knew the thief was a little man, said the Indian, because he rolled up a stone to stand on in order to reach the venison. I knew he was an old man by his short steps. I knew he was a white man, by his turning out his toes in walking. 
which an Indian never does. I knew he had a shotgun by the market left on the tree when he had stood it up. I knew the dog was small by his tracks and short steps, and that he had a bobtail by the market left in the dust where he sat. Two drops of rain falling side by side were separated a few inches by a gentle breeze. Striking on opposite sides of the roof of the courthouse in Wisconsin, one rolled southward through the Rock River and the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico, while the other entered successively the Fox River, Green Bay, Lake Michigan, the Straits of Mackinaw, Lake Huron, St. Clair River, Lake St. Clair, Detroit River, Lake Erie, Niagara River, Lake Ontario, the St. Lawrence River, and finally reached the Gulf of St. Lawrence. How slight the influence of the breeze, yet such was the formation of the continent, that a trifling cause was multiplied almost beyond the power of figures to express its momentous effect upon the destinies of these companion raindrops. Who can calculate the future of the smallest trifle when a mud crack swells to an Amazon and the stealing of a penny may end on the scaffold? The act of a moment may cause a life's regret. A trigger may be pulled in an instant, but the soul returns never. A spark falling upon some combustibles led to the invention of gunpowder. A few bits of seaweed and driftwood floating on the waves enabled Columbus to stay a mutiny of his sailors, which threatened to prevent the discovery of a new world. There are moments in history which balance years of ordinary life. Dana could interest a class for hours on a grain of sand, and from a single bone, such as no one had ever seen before. Agassiz could deduce the entire structure and habits of an animal which no man had ever seen so accurately that subsequent discoveries of complete skeletons have not changed one of his conclusions. A cricket once saved a military expedition from destruction. The commanding officer and hundreds of his men were going to South America on a great ship, and, through the carelessness of the watch, they would have been dashed upon a ledge of rock had it not been for a cricket which a soldier had brought on board. When the little cricket scented the land, it broke its long silence by a shrill note, and thus warned them of their danger. By gnawing through a dike, even a rat may drown a nation. A little boy in Holland saw water trickling from a small hole near the bottom of the dike. He realized that the leak would rapidly become larger if the water were not checked, so he held his hand over the hole for hours on a dark and dismal night until he could attract the attention of passers-by. His name is still held in grateful remembrance in Holland. The beetling chalk cliffs of England were built by rhizopods, too small to be clearly seen without the aid of a magnifying glass. 
what was so unlikely as that throwing an empty wine flask in the fire should furnish the first notion of a locomotive, or that the sickness of an Italian chemist's wife and her absurd craving for reptiles for food should begin the electric telegraph. Madame Galvani noticed the contraction of the muscles of a skinned frog, which was accidentally touched at the moment her husband took a spark from an electric machine. She gave the hint which led to the discovery of galvanic electricity, now so useful in the arts and in transmitting vocal or written language. The fate of a nation, says Gladstone, has often depended upon the good or bad digestion of a fine dinner. A stamp act to raise sixty thousand pounds produced the American Revolution, a war that cost England one hundred million pounds, a war between France and England costing more than a hundred thousand lives grew out of a quarrel as to which of two vessels should first be served with water. The quarrel of two Indian boys over a grasshopper led to the Grasshopper War. What mighty contests rise from trivial things! A young man once went to India to seek his fortune, but, finding no opening, he went to his room, loaded his pistol, put the muzzle to his head, and pulled the trigger. But it did not go off. He went to the window to point it in another direction and try it again, resolved that if the weapon went off he would regard it as a providence that he was spared. He pulled the trigger, and it went off the first time. Trembling with excitement, he resolved to hold his life sacred, to make the most of it, and never again to cheapen it. This young man became General Robert Clive, who, with but a handful of European soldiers, secured to the East India Company, and afterwards to Great Britain, a great and rich country, with two hundred millions of people. The cackling of a goose aroused the sentinels, and saved Rome from the Gauls, and the pain from a thistle warned a Scottish army of the approach of the Danes. Henry Ward Beecher came within one vote of being elected superintendent of a railway. If he had had that vote, America would probably have lost its greatest preacher. What a little thing fixes destiny! Trifles, light as air, often suggest to the thinking mind ideas which have revolutionized the world. A famous ruby was offered to the English government. The report of the crown jeweller was that it was the finest he had ever seen or heard of, but that one of the facets was slightly fractured. That invisible fracture reduced the value of the ruby thousands of dollars, and it was rejected from the regalia of England. It was a little thing for the janitor to leave a lamp swinging in the cathedral at Pisa. But in that steady swaying motion, the boy Galileo saw the pendulum, and conceived the idea 
of thus measuring time. I was singing to the mouthpiece of a telephone, said Edison, when the vibrations of my voice caused a fine steel point to pierce one of my fingers held just behind it. That set me to thinking. If I could record the motions of the point and send it over the same surface afterward, I saw no reason why the thing would not talk. I determined to make a machine that would work accurately, and gave my assistants the necessary instructions, telling them what I had discovered. That's the whole story. The phonograph is the result of the pricking of a finger. It was a little thing for a cow to kick over a lantern left in a shanty, but it laid Chicago in ashes and rendered homeless a hundred thousand people. Some little weakness, some self-indulgence, a quick temper, want of decision, are little things, you say, when placed beside great abilities. But they have wrecked many a career. The Parliament of Great Britain, the Congress of the United States, and representative governments all over the world have come from King John signing the Magna Charta. Bentham says, the turn of a sentence has decided many a friendship, and for aught we know, the fate of many a kingdom. Perhaps you turned a cold shoulder but once, and made one stinging remark. Yet it may have cost you a friend forever. The sight of a stranded cuttlefish led Cuvier to an investigation which made him one of the greatest natural historians in the world. The web of a spider suggested to Captain Brown the idea of a suspension bridge. A missing marriage certificate kept the hod carrier of Hugh Miller from establishing his claim to the earldom of Crawford. The Masons would call out, John, Earl of Crawford, bring us another hod of lime. The absence of a comma in a bill which passed through Congress years ago cost our government a million dollars. A single misspelled word prevented a deserving young man from obtaining a situation as instructor in a New England college. I cannot see that you have made any progress since my last visit, said a gentleman to Michelangelo. But, said the sculptor, I have retouched this part, polished that, softened that feature, brought out that muscle, given some expression to this lip, more energy to that limb, etc. But they are trifles, exclaimed the visitor. It may be so, replied the great artist, but trifles make perfection, and perfection is no trifle. That infinite patience which made Michelangelo spend a week in bringing out a muscle in a statue, with more vital fidelity to truth. Or Gerhard Dow a day in giving the right effect to a dewdrop on a cabbage leaf makes all the difference 
between success and failure. The cry of the infant Moses attracted the attention of Pharaoh's daughter, and gave the Jews a lawgiver. A bird alighting on the bough of a tree at the mouth of the cave where Mahomet lay hid turned aside his pursuers, and gave a profit to many nations. A flight of birds probably prevented Columbus from discovering this continent. When he was growing anxious, Martin Alonso Pinzon persuaded him to follow a flight of parrots toward the southwest, for to the Spanish seamen of that day it was good luck to follow in the wake of a flock of birds when on a voyage of discovery. But for his change of course, Columbus would have reached the coast of Florida. Never, wrote Humboldt, had the flight of birds more important consequences. The children of a spectacle-maker placed two or more pairs of the spectacles before each other in play, and told their father that distant objects looked larger. From this hint came the telescope. Every day is a little life, and our whole life but a day repeated. Those that dare lose a day are dangerously prodigal. Those that dare misspend it desperate. What is the happiness of your life made up of? Little courtesies, little kindnesses, pleasant words, genial smiles, a friendly letter, good wishes, and good deeds. One in a million, once in a lifetime, may do a heroic action. Napoleon was a master of trifles to details which his inferior officers thought too microscopic for their notice, he gave the most exhaustive consideration. Nothing was too small for his attention. He must know all about the provisions, the horse fodder, the biscuits, the camp kettles, the shoes. When the bugle sounded for the march to battle, every officer had his orders as to the exact route which he should follow the exact day he was to arrive at a certain station, and the exact hour he was to leave. And they were all to reach the point of destination at a precise moment. It is said that nothing could be more perfectly planned than his memorable march which led to the victory of Austerlitz, and which sealed the fate of Europe for many years. He would often charge his absent officers to send him perfectly accurate returns, even to the smallest detail. When they are sent to me, I give up every occupation in order to read them in detail, and to observe the difference between one monthly return and another. No young girl enjoys her novel as much as I do these returns. Napoleon left nothing to chance nothing to contingency, so far as he could possibly avoid it. Everything was planned to a nicety before he attempted to execute it. Wellington, too, was great in little things. 
he knew no such things as trifles. While other generals trusted to subordinates, he gave his personal attention to the minutest detail. The history of many a failure could be written in three words. Lack of detail. How many a lawyer has failed from the lack of details in deeds and important papers, the lack of little words which seemed like surplusage, and which involved his clients in litigation, and often great losses. How many wills are contested from the carelessness of lawyers in the omission or shading of words or ambiguous use of language? Not even Helen of Troy, it is said, was beautiful enough to spare the tip of her nose. And if Cleopatra's had been an inch shorter, Mark Antony might never have become infatuated with her wonderful charms, and the blemish would have changed the history of the world. Anne Boleyn's fascinating smile split the great Church of Rome in twain, and gave a nation an altered destiny. Napoleon, who feared not to attack the proudest monarchs in their capitals, shrank from the political influence of one independent woman in private life, Madame de Stael. Cromwell was about to sail for America when a law was passed prohibiting emigration. At that time he was a profligate, having squandered all his property, but when he found that he could not leave England, he reformed his life. Had he not been detained, who can tell what the history of Great Britain would have been? From the careful and persistent accumulation of innumerable facts, each trivial in itself, but in the aggregate forming a mass of evidence, a Darwin extracts his law of evolution, and a Linnaeus constructs the science of botany. A pan of water and two thermometers were the tools by which Dr. Black discovered latent heat, and a prism, a lens, and a sheet of pasteboard enabled Newton to unfold the composition of light and the origin of colors. An eminent foreign savant called on Dr. Wollaston and asked to be shown over those laboratories of his in which science had been enriched by so many great discoveries. When the doctor took him into a little study and, pointing to an old tea tray on the table, on which stood a few watch glasses, test papers, a small balance, and a blowpipe, said, There is my laboratory. A burnt stick and a barn door served Wilkie in lieu of pencil and paper. A single potato, carried to England by Sir Walter Raleigh in the sixteenth century, has multiplied into food for millions, driving famine from Ireland again and again. It seemed a small thing to drive William Brewster, John Robinson, 
and the poor people of Osterfield and Scrooby into perpetual exile, but as pilgrims they became the founders of a mighty people. A few immortal sentences from Garrison and Phillips, a few poems from Lowell and Whittier, and the Leaven is at work which would not cease its action until the whipping post and bodily servitude are abolished forever. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. For want of a horse, the rider was lost. And all, says poor Richard, for want of a horseshoe nail. A single remark dropped by an unknown person in the street led to the successful story of the breadwinners. A hymn chanted by the barefooted friars in the temple of Jupiter at Rome led to the famous decline and fall of the Roman Empire. Words are things, says Byron, and a small drop of ink falling like dew upon a thought produces that which makes thousands, perhaps millions, think. I give these books for the founding of a college in this colony. Such were the words of ten ministers who, in the year 1700, assembled at the village of Branford, a few miles east of New Haven. Each of the worthy fathers deposited a few books upon the table around which they were sitting. Such was the founding of Yale College. Great men are noted for their attention to trifles. Goethe once asked a monarch to excuse him during an interview, while he went to an adjoining room to jot down a stray thought. Hogarth would make sketches of rare faces and characteristics upon his fingernails, upon the streets. Indeed, to a truly great mind there are no little things. Trifles light as air suggest to the keen observer the solution of mighty problems. Bits of glass arranged to amuse children led to the discovery of the kaleidoscope. Goodyear discovered how to vulcanize rubber by forgetting, until it became red-hot, a skillet containing a compound which he had before considered worthless. A shipworm, boring a piece of wood, suggested to Sir Isambard Brunel the idea of a tunnel under the Thames to London. Tracks of extinct animals in the old red sandstone led Hugh Miller on and on until he became the greatest geologist of his time. Sir Walter Scott once saw a shepherd boy plodding sturdily along, and asked him to ride. This boy was George Kemp, who became so enthusiastic in his study of sculpture that he walked fifty miles and back to see a beautiful statue. He did not forget the kindness of Sir Walter, and, when the latter died, threw his soul into the design of the magnificent monument erected in Edinburgh to the memory of the author of Waverley. A poor boy 
applied for a situation at a bank in Paris, but was refused. As he left the door, he picked up a pin. The bank president saw this, called the boy back, and gave him a situation from which he rose until he became the greatest banker of Paris, Lafitte. A Massachusetts soldier in the Civil War observed a bird hulling rice and shot it, taking its bill for a model. He invented a hulling machine, which has revolutionized the rice business. The eye is a perpetual camera, imprinting upon the sensitive mental plates and packing away into the brain for future use every face, every tree, every plant, flower, hill, stream, mountain, every scene upon the street, in fact, everything which comes within its range. There is a phonograph in our natures, which catches, however thoughtless and transient, every syllable we utter, and registers forever the slightest enunciation, and renders it immortal. These notes may appear a thousand years hence, reproduced in our descendants, in all their beautiful or terrible detail. Least of all seeds, greatest of all harvests seems to be one of the great laws of nature. All life comes from microscopic beginnings. In nature there is nothing small. The microscope reveals as great a world below as the telescope above. All of nature's laws govern the smallest atoms, and a single drop of water is a miniature ocean. The strength of a chain lies in its weakest link however large and strong all the others may be. We are all inclined to be proud of our strong points, while we are sensitive and neglectful of our weaknesses. Yet it is our greatest weakness which measures our real strength. A soldier who escapes the bullets of a thousand battles may die from the scratch of a pin, and many a ship has survived the shocks of icebergs, and the storms of ocean, only to founder in a smooth sea from holes made by tiny insects. Small things become great when a great soul sees them. A single, noble, or heroic act of one man has sometimes elevated a nation. Many an honorable career has resulted from a kind word spoken in season, or the warm grasp of a friendly hand. It is the little rift within the lute that by and by will make the music mute, and, ever widening, slowly silence all. Tennyson It was only a glad good morning as she passed along the way, but it spread the morning's glory over the livelong day. Only a thought in passing, a smile or encouraging word, has lifted many a burden no other gift could have stirred. End 
of chapter 41, The Might of Little Things. Recording by Luke Sartor, Brisbane, Queensland.